I was uh, visiting a friend the other day and they invited me into their home. And as we wandered from room to room, uh, everything was immaculate. You know, paintings hung just perfectly. Uh, furniture was set at the right angle, flowers on the table. Everything was clean and very much in control. But as we walked through uh, the house and down the hallway, there was a door that was shut. It was actually locked and it had a padlock on it. It was, it was really firmly locked. Tried to open it, couldn't do it. Finally, my friend said, uh, I don't, I wouldn't want you to go in there as it, it doesn't really contain anything of interest. But after a, a few gently curious words and assurances, they took the key from their pocket and unlocked the door. And I stepped in and I saw a single wooden chair in the centre of the room. And the walls were covered in post-it notes. And, and I've actually got a, I've got a post-it note for those people watching on the video. So there you go. Post-it note. It's got a list on it. Taking it off now. But, um, the cut, the walls were absolutely covered in post-it notes. And, and the walls were covered and I walked around the room and read some of the notes and all of them contained hurts and pains in their life and their written list, list upon list upon list. You know, and many of them were written in like childlike writing. Some of them had math on them, but the math was wrong in summation. So like it was... 2 times 3 equals 10. 4 plus 9 equals 49. Mummy is angry, therefore I am bad. Daddy doesn't talk to me, therefore I'm not lovable. And the wall was full of notes like this. And all the wrongs had a list. What they had done and the shame shadow of the event. Some had been written over and over again, like on the same note, but with a bolder pen, like they were reinforcing the message. And the notes had been categorised into themes and conclusions. Some coloured notes meant a different theme, while others meant another. And they had actually brought these notes from house to house, wherever they lived. And I looked at the wooden chair and saw that it was actually very well used. And beside it sat a small table with fresh new post-it notes and a pen ready for self-expression and confession. I asked my friend how long they spend in their room, and they said it was actually most most time, most every day. And they sat in there, memorised every post-it note. Line upon line, they had observed and recorded and rehearsed. Now, uh, since I wrote this post, someone emailed me and asked, is that a true story? <laughs> and I had to say, no, it's not a true story. It's a fictional story. But I have known people who... And I think quite a few people do this. They like to keep a record of wrongs. It sort of helps them feel safe. But this, to this fictional person, their memory was perfect. All the conclusions reached were accurate. Even though I tried to logically point out some of the thinking errors, there was no shifting. For them, this was a matter of the heart. Even though they could see it as adult, that some of the conclusions they had reached as a child made no logical sense. The heart had told them this was still true. <clears throat> to validate the truthfulness of the error, 
they would still, even now as an adult, look for evidence to back up the error. They would write more post-it notes. The pad and pen were always ready for new script. And, and this wasn't a bedroom. This was a prison cell study of their brains making. They kept a list of wrongs and it was holding them in. Sort of tears welled in my eyes as I gazed over all the condemnations, conclusions, brain thinking concussions. Only love could actually help us make sense of this together. Only love beyond our awareness and control. What's your record keeping like? <laughs> you know, uh, accountants excuse me, are essential. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sneezing on the podcast and YouTube. Accountants are essential when there is a tax to pay, aren't they? I've got one, and she tells me exactly how much tax to pay, works it all out. Because they know all the regulations, the rules, and the laws pertaining to your finances. And they are sticklers for accuracy. Every cent must be accounted for. Books must be balanced. And I wonder whether we all have like an inner, an inner an accountant that likes to keep records. What's the tax you pay for keeping a room full of self-accusatory or accusatory post-it notes? Perhaps you feel safer when you have good records. You'll be not be caught out again because you've kept a record. You rehearse, rehearse it repeatedly and it makes perfect sense to you. The list, however, can constrict the dance of living lightly and freely. You scurry back to the room when you feel like you're losing control. You see, love is a whisper of a dance you long to have with a lover who forgives the failing. Law is a demand to stay safe, in control and unknown. It's a loud abuser with a whip snapping at your head. Perhaps love is the answer to the post-it note dilemma. Can love, in its purest form, erase or rewrite some of the internal scriptings we have held, seemingly forever? Dave Riddell says that reality is often not what we perceive, especially when we have been hurt and betrayed in our formative years. How damaged is your perception? A man I knew, a man who knew the accountancy of God's law book, emerged from his entrapment to write the most famous passage in the Bible on love. And Paul writes, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. This is agape love, love that reaches beyond our flawed human understanding to a place of not having to keep a record of wrongs to feel safe. God's love keeps no record of our wrongs. I'll say that again. God's love keeps no record of our wrongs. And I want that kind of love to flow through the synapses of my brain, healing the post-it note conclusions I have held dear to my heart. It's forgiving myself and retraining the brain. It's wanting the tender mercies of God to break into the rooms I keep lists. Later in the chapter, Paul writes, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So into my shame and guilt room comes Spirit, Holy Spirit, who tenderly helps me to take down the old lists and replace them with goodness and truth. I begin to keep records of rights, not wrongs. Some of the post-it notes are hard to take down. They feel like they've been super glued to the walls of my heart. I've grown to like them being there, but Spirit is persistent about wanting to rewrite the story into truth. I let go and let in. Slowly, the once dark room of depression and anxiety takes on a warmth. I leave the door wide open. I welcome people into the room and bring in couches for friends to sit on and marvel at God's goodness. And they begin to let God into their dark and secret rooms. The perfume of agape love smells sweet to the soul. Do you keep a record of wrongs? A list of wrongs will keep you in chains. It will shackle you to the past. The record of wrongs will eventually suffocate the life out of you. Forgive. Let go. Don't hold on to unused second-hand goods. They have served their childhood purpose but now need to be let go of. Notice when you feel the need to keep a record. Notice how a current event feels exactly like one made years ago. It feels like an echo of a previous time and place. Don't hold on to it. Instead, release it to God and invite God's truth to write, rewrite the recording. Here's some quotes. God's forgiveness towards me and my forgiveness towards another are like the voice and the echo. Dennis and Matthew Lynn. Forgiveness takes brokenness seriously and affirms that guilt is real, but also affirms that guilt is not the last word. Robert Harvey, David Benner. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you, Lewis Smeads. Check every overreaction of the present for an echo from the past. Trace it, face it, replace it, or live in an all-out reaction to others. David Riddell Emotional echoes need not be feared when recognised for what they are. Acknowledge them and then lay them aside. They can't hurt you now unless you submit to them. David Riddell if it is true that forgiveness is the most therapeutic fact in all of life, then guilt must be the most destructive. We are simply not built for it. David Siemens When you next overreact in anxiety, rejection or anger, try to distinguish between present reality and the echoes of past experiences. David Riddell Being wrong isn't painful in itself. But any echoes of humiliation must be laid to rest before correction can be accepted. David Riddell I don't want to remember that incident because it's too painful. It means that it must be recalled in order that you may re meet, that you may think again and reassess old conclusions. David Riddell Resolve the feelings by acknowledging emotions and reinterpreting old conclusions, then bury the past. David Riddell some questions. Why do we keep records? Two, do we actively keep records of the good? Three, what post-it note in your life would Spirit want to rewrite with agape love ink? 
Hey, I hope you found this helpful and these posts are helping you in your daily life. Hey, send me an email. Truly love to hear from my readers, barry at turningthepage.co.nz. And uh, thank you to those people who support uh, financially turning the page. It's so helpful uh, just to get a little bit of money each month to keep this thing ticking along. It helps me buy bread, milk and coffee. <laughs> hey, until next week. Uh, Examine the list of wrongs. Examine the list of rights. Hey, bye.